Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is almost here i'm of course talking about the 2022 nfl draft and what better way to welcome the biggest event of the offseason than with some good old-fashioned fantasy football superlatives the picks we want to see the picks we don't want to see the picks that hey may not be so bad all that and more on a loaded episode of the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me i'm zach cohen of the draft network alongside the fervid cole topham of chargers wire but we once again are not alone you may know him from his work with football guys and dynasty league football aka dlf or just on twitter at tyfmnfl please welcome the man of the hour hutchinson brown what's going on hutch it's so great to have you on man What's going on, guys? I'm so, so excited to be here. Super excited to talk some fantasy football. The NFL draft is quickly approaching. We've got to talk about these prospects and our favorite landing spots and just have some fun with them. Yeah, you're joining the show at a great time because last week, Cole and I, we named like five NFL draft pairings we'd love to see for fantasy. We'll get a little bit into that again today with picks. You know, we got some nightmare picks, some patient picks. Uh, but speaking of Cole, uh, what's going on with you, Cole? I didn't even give you a chance to talk right there. What's up? You know, I've just been chilling. I mean, while you're out here preparing for graduation, I am preparing for the slog of finals week. So uh, we're, we're in two different, various, very different scenarios, Zach, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it's the draft is almost here. You can't be much happier than I am right now, despite that overwhelming cloud of schoolwork. Whoa, overwhelming cloud of schoolwork hovering over me. So I found out Hutch for you. I found out in October that I'm graduating during the first round of the NFL draft. And you Brutal. can imagine how dismayed I was. So this is like the first year where I'm like, I don't want the draft to come. Like, I'm just like, let it, let just be out there. Let me enjoy like my final week <laughs> and a half before everyone leaves. Uh, but yeah. yeah, obviously the draft, a lot of talk about, but suddenly all of a sudden, this crazy whirlwind of an NFL offseason picking up steam again. The Debo Samuel rumors. We will get to all the superlatives we have in a second. But I feel like we should at least talk about Debo, right? So by the time this episode drops, it's a Wednesday evening, depending on where you are. Uh, he might get traded. So let's assume he does eventually get traded. Hutch, what do we think... Like, what are we thinking about him in fantasy next season? Does Is there a certain situation that has you thinking, wow, he may actually be better in San Fran? Like, what's his overall outlook? Yeah, the the trade, I feel like I'm, I've looked at so many different outcomes. I mean, I post, I put out a tweet on Twitter that said, fill in the blank, uh, if, if Debo Samuel were to be traded, he was going to be traded to, and I said blank, and people have been giving me a bunch of answers. And I've been looking through them and like, and I've been thinking about all the other teams, and there's just no landing spot where I see Debo Samuel improving his fantasy football value. Some will be fine for him. He could still be a wide receiver one. Some could absolutely destroy his fantasy football value, make him, like, not a top 10 guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see where he's traded. My personal favorite landing spot right now for him 
I mean, I think you it's got to be either the Packers or the Chiefs, one of those two. I mean, they would just, I mean, great offense, great quarterback, and there's opportunity for wide receivers there. I mean, the Packers, especially, like they just have, I mean, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, like they just don't have names at wide receiver. And you got the Chiefs over here, just gave away Tyree Kill. They get brought in Judas Smith they brought in Marcus Vallis Scantling, but a wide receiver is still a pretty good need for them. They could absolutely use Debo, but no team is going to use Debo as effectively as the San Francisco 49ers did. Like they just use him in such the perfect way that there's no other team that's going to be able to repeat that. So Debo Samuel's value, wherever he goes, is going to, he's going to lose value. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the root of why he wants to leave San Francisco. He doesn't want to be treated like a running back. At least that's what the the rumors and reports are. Tom Pelissero yeah, said on the Rich Eisen show. I saw Ian Rapport say the same thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like it's not really about the money exactly. It seems like it's more about the usage. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But could he even still be like, so you said Packers and Chiefs. I think that's a pretty apparent here. The likely destinations I've been seeing, you know, really three main ones stuck out, you know, the Colts, the Eagles and my front runner, I think they're going to trade for him. Uh, the Jets. Cole, any of yeah, that's those my team too. I think he's going to the Jets. Yeah. Ex- all right. So we got two for the Jets. Cole, yeah. are you on the Debo Samuel Jets train right now? I just I still can't get past the fact that or the idea that players just go to New York to die <laughs> like that always seems to be the retirement destination for a lot of players like the last few years of their career where they can earn, you know, a couple more million before they really hang up the cleats. So personally, I don't want to see Debo go there anytime soon. I, I, Derek Carr made some interesting comments on Twitter, and I don't know if he was just reacting at the, no at the news like that'd be crazy. Self- like we all were but he's like dang man that's crazy he does everything on the field Nine thousand likes on this tweet you know i'm sure this put raider nation into a into a frenzy but i mean honestly that wouldn't be a bad offense for him josh mcdaniel coming in an offensive coordinator you have other weapons that that can just overload that offense overclock the offense and just give Derek carr multiple weapons in, in a year where he kind of it, it feels like the year he needs to prove himself for you know, that upper echelon of quarterback contracts. So, um, you know, obviously Las Vegas is a team that is is vying for a competency in the, in the AFC and they have a really competitive division. So I could definitely see them making a move. And, um, you know, McDaniel knows how to get the, the most out of his playmakers. He did that a bunch with far less talented options in New England than Debo. So I honestly like that fit a lot, even if he does have to compete for, you know, more targets. Yeah, I think... When I first heard you say it, I mean, I just don't think that's realistic at all. I mean, I feel like the Raiders are done with their moves at wide receiver. They are, I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think with Renfro, Waller, and Devontae Adams, I think that's the best receiving trio in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can think of a receiving trio that's better than those three guys right now. And you've already got Derek Carr at, at quarterback. I mean, I just don't think they need a Debo Samuel in that offense. And I feel like for fantasy, because it's already a lot of mouths to feed, like there's like all three of these guys are going to have some troubles with volume with Debo added. I feel like that would just make the entire offense a mess for fantasy. It's going to be a roulette wheel every single week of which guy mm-hmm. has a good game and it's going to be problematic. So I would actually not like to see it personally. Unless but. of course you're drafting Derek Carr. He was already one of my big <laughs> Derek Carr would Derek Carr would go nuclear. I mean, he's already a top eight quarterback for me in my rankings with the three guys he has now. I mean, I'm already all in on Derek Carr for this season. 
But with Debo, like he could jump up into five, six, like he could get up there. Yeah, the possibilities are endless in Vegas, uh, obviously both referring to their team and just the city itself. We may have to welcome you back at some point in the offseason later on in the summer to talk more about those rankings because I am intrigued. Uh, but until then, we still have the big event, the head honcho of them all, the NFL draft. So let's get into some superlatives, starting with the pick we most want to see from a fantasy football perspective. It could have a lot of different meanings there. It could talk about the specific player. It could talk about a player who's already on that roster. So Hutch, the floor is yours, my man. The pick you most want to see for fantasy football from next week's draft. So for this draft, I mean, I'm just going to say, I mean, Brees Hall, I am an absolute super fan of Brees Hall. Like he is probably like my, my guy of this class. I'm all in on Brees Hall right now. And I just want to, I want to see him so bad, so badly. I want to see him in Buffalo. I just want to see him on the Buffalo Bills, put him in an offense that like, there's only one negative thing about Buffalo as a landing spot for running backs. I'll get to that in a second, but you've got an elite offense. That's going to score a ton of points. You got Josh Allen, an elite quarterback. You've got the team. I mean, they were looking for JD McKissick this offseason. They want to throw to their running backs. And with the release of Cole Beasley, like, like outside of Stephon Diggs, I know Gabe Davis is there, but it is a bit shaky for their number two wide receiver option. And they've been, you know, filtering through Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley and kind of Dawson Knox. They've been like doing that little roulette wheel all season long, but they, they need help in the receiving game there outside of Stephon Diggs. I feel like Brees Hall could absolutely help him out with that. He was a pretty good receiver. He got better and better and better through his years in college. The only thing that's in his way is Devin Singletary, obviously, but, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm a Brees Hall super fan, but I feel like all three of us can agree that Brees Hall right now is a better, more talented running back than Devin Singletary. Like the talent will show on the field and it will eventually be his backfield. And he's super young right now. I believe he like just turned 21. I might be wrong on that, but I believe he just turned 21. Like he's super, super young. So you have a little bit extra time with him. So you may see about half a season, maybe a full season of a bit of a split between Devin Singletary and Brees Hall. But by his second year at the latest, Brees Hall is going to be the workhorse back for the Buffalo Bills, and it's going to be scary when he takes over. Wow. Planting your flag early on Hall. He's definitely been a a polarizing player, I think, of this offseason. Some see him as a clear RB1. Some people say, and he's probably not even a top five running back. But don't worry, we will be talking a lot more about the running backs, especially next. Uh, But Cole, the pick you most want to see isn't a running back. At least he probably shouldn't be, though. So why don't you unveil to the audience who and what that pick is? Yeah, he's not a running back yet. I mean, we spent the beginning of the of the episode talking about the Debo Samuel contract situation. So, I mean, what are the 49ers going to do? I mean, they're they're going to make moves and they're going to bring in Traylon Burks and employ him in a pretty similar role. Maybe not exactly replicate replicate the way Debo is used, but Burks was plenty versatile at Arkansas. We we talked about this last week. He played most of his snaps in the slot. Um, he's pretty versatile route tree for a guy his size, um, quickness. He lined up at Wildcat quarterback in the backfield at times. So this is a versatile player that is pretty much a mismatch no matter where he goes on the field. I think that is really going to appeal to Shanahan. And so I'd like to see Traylon Burks go to the 49ers. I don't really have faith, and it pains me to say this, but uh, Brandon Ayuk to really take up the slack in in, uh, the type of role that Debo Samuel played for this offense and the type of production that he used as like a physical 
you know, kind of mauler type player that basically just brings the punch to the defense. I think Burks supplies a lot in that department. I think he'd be a great fit here, uh, even if the 49ers have to pay a little bit of a premium to get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Another player who's been so polarizing, right, Hutch? Yeah, he's been a very polarizing player. Like, I've seen him at the at fifth for people's rankings for wide receivers. I have him my number one. I mean, I absolutely love Traylon Burks. I mean, you know, I want to address something with Tra- – I think that would be very interesting, though, in San Francisco, just kind of replace Tebow there. There, I think that would be really good. But I just want to address something with Traylon Burks real quick. He ran a 4-4 I mean, ran four five five as four-yard dash. You just ignore it. He clocked in over 22 miles an hour in college. Like, this dude's fast. and Clocking in over 22 miles an hour at 225 pounds is like A.J. Brown type of athleticism. That's like D.K. Metcalf type of athleticism. He's a freak athlete. He can take touches all over the field, and he's going to be someone that I – I mean, no matter where he goes, I'm going to be interested for fantasy. If Debo Samuel leaves and Traylon Burks goes to the 49ers, I, I mean, I love that pick there, Cole. That's a great pick. Mm-hmm likewise we'll see exactly how they would use him of course the Niners still need to get a first round pick to take Burks he's proven yeah I think it would shock all of us if he fell out of the first round uh another receiver who I think teeters on the edge of the first round is Jahan Dotson and Cole and I have talked about this all the time uh you know Dotson and like how much I love him and how much I think you know he just seems like a Detroit Lion somehow but the clear best fit for me, and I could have said this about any receiver, but I'm zoning in on Dotson, is the Packers. I would be all over Dotson in Green Bay. Hell, I'd be over any receiver in Green Bay again. But look, obviously, Devontae Adams, not there. MVS, shoe, whatever. whoop de doo he's gone. They added Sammy Watkins, another whoop de doo there. Nothing crazy. And while the Packers were a little below league average and pass play percentage last season, They used two receiver sets on 21% of their passing downs, which was the sixth highest rate. Dotson is surprisingly versatile. You could play him inside, but I think we can all agree he's probably best out on the boundary being a primary option for, of course, Aaron Rodgers. He's only an inch shorter than like six feet, but he consistently makes himself seem taller thanks to his super reliable hands, his leaping ability. I would love him in the Packers uh, offense, especially because for what it's worth, they know how to operate a very efficient vertical passing attack. They know how to incorporate a little bit of a spread offense there. And Dotson again, while, I think he would be best on the outside. He can play inside, which, again, if you're going to make that type of transition, it's great to have an MVP quarterback throwing you the ball. Any wide receiver Green Bay drafts, I'm all over, but considering my man crush on Dotson already, let's get him to Lambeau Field. So how do we feel about that, Hutch? I love it. And fun facts about Jahan Dotson, uh, he went to Nazareth High School which is actually right next to the high school. I currently go to Liberty. Oh, so in middle school, I went in middle, when I was in middle school there, I went to one of my, went to one of Liberty games and they were playing Nazareth. And I got to watch this kid play and he absolutely torched Liberty. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this dude's a, this dude's a great player. I mean, he can, he's actually, I think his versatility is very underrated. He can play inside. He can go outside. He has amazing hands. He just doesn't drop a pass that you throw at him. He's a vertical threat. He can work a lot over the field. And I would love, I would love Dotson on the Packers. I think that'd be very, very interesting. And Rodgers, I mean, like John Dotson, one of his biggest traits is that he's a speedy deep threat. 
Rodgers is one of the best deep balls in the league. Just let him go down the field and just chuck it down to him. I mean, John Dotson and Green Bay, any of the receivers in Green Bay would be awesome. Yep. I'm glad we're on the same page about those because I have a feeling for this next superlative, we're going to have some disagreements because it is the complete opposite of the picks we want to see. Rather, it's our nightmare picks. It's our picks that would ruin the hopes we have for a prospect. We are all praying that these players do not get picked by these teams. So Hutch will sound the death bell for you. What is the pick or picks that you're praying does not happen? So I have a bit of a different pick than these two gentlemen, but I have, so any of the top three running backs, which are by consensus, Brees Hall, Kent Walker, Isaiah Spiller, Mm -hmm. it would be a nightmare for me to see them on the New York Jets. And you might think like, hey, that'd be a great landing spot. They don't really have many players. All they have is Michael Carter, right? But the problem is, I think all of these three players have potential as pass catchers. I think Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller have both proven themselves as pass catchers. And Kent Walker didn't catch much passes in Michigan State, but that's not really his fault. Michigan State has a big history of not using the running backs as pass catchers. And there are leaked videos, leaked practice videos of Kenneth Walker making some insane catches. You can probably find them on the internet somewhere. But there are some good videos of Kenneth Walker making some catches. He has that potential. Michael Carter would ruin that because Michael Carter this past season proved himself to be a great pass catching running back. So I feel like if the Jets were to draft a running back, they would put that running back as just the runner. Like, that's it. They All they do is run. They don't really catch passes. But Michael Carter is a pass catcher. It just caps the upside so much for fantasy football. And Zach Wilson really doesn't work out. This isn't going to be a great offense to score the touchdowns. And if you're running the ball, like, it's basically Damian Harris all over again. Like, if you're just not catching passes and you're in a bit of a committee and you're off and you're not going to be scoring touchdowns, like, you're just going to be awful for fantasy football. You're going to be so touchdown dependent. And it would just absolutely ruin the ceiling of Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, if they were to go to the New York Jets. So I, I just want the Jets to avoid a top three, a top three running back. I just don't want them picking one of those guys. You're kind of echoing what uh, Cole said at the top of the show about the Jets being a place where promising players or veterans just go to wither away. Couldn't agree with you more there, uh, especially the Damian Harris comparison. Didn't think we'd be yeah. uh, throwing some shade over at his situation. He scored a lot of touchdowns this year, but in the games he didn't score touchdowns, go look at his logs. Like, go look at his game logs. The games he didn't score touchdowns, you were disappointed because he's only getting like 10 rush attempts a game. So, and you're not you're not you're not getting pass catch you're not getting uh passes like it's just not going to work out yeah especially if you're playing in ppr leagues that's a yes especially in ppr which Huge. most leagues are by now yeah i would imagine yeah who who plays standard leagues i'm just kidding i, I know some people who do and i've been egging them on for a while come on it's more fun let them let them uh, get points for catching the ball PPR. come on something yeah see exactly well this next pick that Cole is about to unveil to us. doesn't really matter if it's PPR or not. Cole, tell the people your nightmare pick. Yeah, it doesn't matter to the commanders. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I'm not sure how realistic this pick is because obviously they added Carson Wentz this offseason. They kind of tucked away their quarterback situation. So this pick mostly relies on Desmond Ritter 
uh, falling into the, like the third round area where he'd be too enticing not to like take a flyer on and see if you can develop him. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of controversy about this quarterback class and namely, you know, how bad and underdeveloped it is. And that's why we've seen Ritter kind of sour on a lot of, you know, fantasy, you know, draft analysts who don't really see him as a viable option and really just needs the right situation. And the commanders are not that right situation, right? I mean, they, they brought in one of the, you know, I'd say worst like mechanically developed quarterbacks in the league in order to like fulfill their vacant quarterback spot and bringing in Ritter who also needs a lot of fundamental help uh, in that department and has issues with, you know, pocket presence and and vision just would not be a good fit under here. um, Despite, you know, all the enticing playmakers that Washington has, I just don't see him like Washington just has proven since Kirk cousins that they cannot develop quarterbacks and put them out on the field. Um, I mean, they've had some interesting experiments in Tyler, Taylor Heineke, but for the most part, I just don't see uh, Washington as a, as, a, as a team where you can confidently you know, plug and play uh, a signal caller. I like how you led that, though, with not seeming too realistic because it does seem like Washington could easily zone in on a guy and bring him in because they did screw up all the time with a quarterback. So they look at the upside and say, you know what, let's go get a guy like Ritter. I don't think that's actually that unrealistic that happens, but I, I saw Hutch nod his head too. I think we're both in agreement. Let's, let's not do this Desmond Ritter experiment to the commanders. Uh, my nightmare pick, I'm sticking in the NFC East. And it's a player I, I love. I love Drake London. I think he has sky high upside. And I've been doing this dynasty series at the TDN trying to find good fits for receivers and teams. And every single time I do a receiver, I specifically leave off the bears and the Eagles. The reason I'm doing Drake London to the Eagles as my nightmare pick is that may actually happen. They have two first round picks. Uh, Will they take a receiver in the first round for the third straight year? Maybe I'd be a little shocked if they did, but if they do, and if that player is Drake London, I would be so out on London and it would pain me to say it. It would pain me. I even said that a little bit with Devontae Smith last year, too. We just don't know what this offense can be. Look, no team opted to run the ball more last season than the Eagles. Their 51.2% rush rate led all teams. Now, the one caveat, let's say Jalen Hurts walks in to Philadelphia in a couple months and is suddenly a great passer. He suddenly made strides. Okay, maybe they'll start to incorporate a bit more of an actual passing game into this offense, which could then maybe sustain some more better passers like Devontae Smith, like Dallas Goddard, like a first round rookie receiver. But until we see that, I can't for the life of me get enthusiastic about them bringing in a receiver who, for as well-rounded as he is, will probably make his living as a vertical threat winning 50-50 balls with a quarterback like Jalen or Hurts, like could Hurts get there? Yeah, but right now Hurts isn't the type of quarterback to maximize uh, what Drake London can be. I'm not over the moon about them bringing in honestly any receiver, especially in the first round, until we see what type of player Hurts can be and therefore what type of offense Nick Sirianni can run. So I'm out on Drake London to the Eagles. I don't think that's the best spot for him. Hutch, any thoughts to add to that? 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty horrible spot. I mean, you could see it behind me here. I'm an Eagles fan, and <laughs> I would really not love this either. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I believe that he can make strides. I believe it's possible. But, I mean, if you were watching the games last year, I mean, Hurts' deep ball was so horrifically bad. Like, it was just <laughs> on a different level. Like, there were just some balls that he threw. It just didn't make sense. He was so such a bad deep passer. And – he didn't have the best weapons last year. The Eagles weren't one of the greatest receiving cores, but they had a lot of speed and they had a lot of guys open downfield that he missed. A lot of opportunities there that he missed. Yeah, and Drake London is going to make his, you know, he's going to make his uh, heyday on catching passes down the field over defenders. And that is not Jalen Hurts' strength. Jalen Hurts is right now, that is not something Jalen Hurts is going to be able to provide for Drake London. So I would, yeah, I, I agree with you. This would be a really bad one. Mm-hmm. This would be a bad one. There is one receiver that I actually would like in Philly, though, and that would be Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, I think I'd love in Philly because they can give him a lot of stream passes, a lot of handoffs, a lot of rush attempts, keep Jalen Hurts comfortable, a lot of, like a lot of just shorter plays, and Traylon Burks can take him and just run. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a good spot. But all the other receivers I would not love in Philly, mm-hmm. and especially Drake London with his deep ball ability. Mm-hmm. Two picks for the price of one. Love it. Yeah, man. It uh it hurts to not have a good quarterback. And maybe that changes in Philly. But for right now, uh, a little weary of that passing game. Uh before we get it's into made a fantastic fun. pun, by the way. I don't even know. Yeah, I did. Right. I was about to point it out. <laughs> well, that's kind of my thing. I'll just whip up like stupid little puns and two percent of the time they're actually clever. <laughs> I'm glad that one landed though. <laughs> one Four. Did, we both got it. Yeah, man. all right. Applause to me. Good. I can leave now. See you guys later. All right. Uh, before we get into our final two superlatives, quick word from our beloved sponsor, Link Me, L-I-N-K-M-E. They are one of the fastest growing social media apps on this planet. Not only that, they are a link sharing app as well. You can have link to all of your content, your YouTube, your TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, your PlayStation handle, your Xbox handle, your Venmo, literally anything on one nice little concise page. You have a QR code to go with it. Somebody scans that QR code, bang, they got all of your information, every way to reach you, contact you, and support you all on LinkMe, L-I-N-K-M-E. Go download it, however you get your apps. All right, so we talked about the picks. We want to see the picks. We don't want to see. How about a pick that over time could actually turn out well we'll call this one the patience pick the pick that could take time but in the long run it could pay off massively so a little bit of, a little bit of dynasty talk right here too this is kind of our dynasty uh, superlative as well so hutch what is that pick that you think will take some time but man whoo that could pay huge dividends down the road yeah the first one here we got this one we got to talk about here is, you know, this is potential at number two overall. I want to talk about Malik Wills going to Detroit. I feel like a lot of people would hate that landing spot. And it's because of one player, and it's Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff, I mean, he, he Detroit knows he's not the answer. I mean, watching this past year, he was not great. He is not the answer for this team. But he's still going to start at least one season, maybe even two or one and a half, like in Detroit, if Malik Wills were to go there. But it could work out well. I don't really want any of these quarterbacks. Maybe Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett could jump into star week one and be okay. 
but the rest of them, I don't want them starting week one. I, I don't know if I want them starting in the first season, Mm -hmm. like any of them, like these guys really need development. They really need to fix some things. And Malik Willis in Detroit behind Jared Goff, a quarterback who's been in the Super Bowl, a quarterback who's been in a pro bowl. He's had success. And like, I feel like that would just be a great opportunity for Malik Willis just to sit behind golf for a year, just learn. And when he comes into this offense, I mean, he's got Monroe St. Brown. He's got TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift out of the backfield, potentially even a rookie if they draft one this year. And if they re-sign TJ Chark, that he's got him too. There's a lot of weapons here in Detroit to work with. And I feel like this and their offensive line is growing and building as the years go on. And this would just be a great opportunity for Malik Willis here. Mm-hmm. That offensive line, a sneaky yes. good like aspect of that team. Not to mention, it seems like the Lions finally have collected all their marbles. They're heading in a direction they could be proud of. So Malik Willis, Detroit at two? I don't know. Me, I don't know. I think I'd be out on that. But in terms of what could actually happen, who knows? I, Willis could fall out of the first round. Hell, he maybe he will be the second. No, I don't pick. see Willis falling out of the first round. I feel I- like if... I feel like if the Saints or this, like, I feel like because if he falls number six, I feel like the Panthers could take him. But if they take Kenny Pickett and then he's sitting there for the Saints or the Eagles even, because the Eagles have visited him before, or even the Steelers. Steelers. Like, That's my they team, will, I think. Like, they will very heavily consider him. I just don't see him getting past the Steelers. Mm-hmm. There's no I think way. if the Panthers um, don't take him with their pick, then all of the following. And Seattle, too. You got to think yeah. about Seattle as well. Atlanta even could take him like there's just so many teams that need a quarterback in those top 20 picks that I just don't see Malik Willis falling out there yeah I'm of the mind that the Steelers are going to move up for him and I know they typically don't trade up and they did it with uh Devin Bush but I I think that Malik Willis ends up being a Pittsburgh Steeler when it's all said and done uh but in Detroit not too shabby from a fantasy perspective, at least definitely from a dynasty standpoint. Uh, you talked about the Saints. Cole's got a pick for the Saints that uh, could take a while, but, hey, could be a really big star down the line. Yeah, I mean, kind of similar to Hutch's argument. It's, it's based around the quarterback situation because, uh, I mean, Jameis Winston is back on, a, I believe, a two-year deal. It is a two-year um, deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Taysom Hill experiment is over. Um, so Chris Olave in New Orleans is going to be kind of a project that will take some time for him to reach his full potential as a pass catcher, just based on the inconsistency about who's throwing him the football. But I really like this, this fit for him as kind of like a, a Z receiver that can operate, go in motion all over the field, because my comp for him is Brandon Cooks, who, you know, oh, so long ago before he was traded multiple, multiple times and, you know, was on what, three, four franchises before he turned 26 years old. Brandon Cooks was a pretty good receiver for the New Orleans Saints until Michael Thomas got jealous. So, you know, I really like Chris Olave as as like a speedster, as a yards after catch guy. Um, somebody that can really make defender or separate from defenders in space um, and, and just bring his talents in that area. And so if he can overcome the, the hurdles at the quarterback position early, and that's another thing, like the Saints are going to be a bad team next year, um, just based on like what they've done in, uh, in free agency. They were, I mean, they, they overcame a lot of those salary cap hurdles, um, but they didn't really bring in anyone 
you know, new or eye-opening on the offense to make you feel like this offense is going to be something different, you know, something improved in 2022. So I expect the Saints to be bad, and that puts them in a high draft pick for next year where the quarterback class is infinitely better than this one. So yeah, it's but possible. you got to remember, you got to remember, they just gave away their 2023 first round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. They do not <laughs> currently have a first. That's right. At the moment, the Eagles have their first. So, you know, if they were to, I don't know, get it from another team or trade up in the 2023 draft, sure. But right now, they don't have a 2023 first round pick. I mm. like that idea, but yeah, they don't have one right now. So you make a good point. That does put a wrench in my argument. So it makes it very that they trade I Michael think Thomas Olave, for a first round pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my favorite, uh, my, I mean, I was, uh, I've been doing a series lately with football guys uh, on their YouTube channel. I've been talking about my favorite landing spots and the top prospects in the class. And Chris Olave, well, I mean, I wanted to make them all different. So I want to talk about different, as many different teams as possible. But the Saints ended up being my favorite landing spot for Chris Olave. I feel like mm -hmm. just being with Michael Thomas, and I feel like Jameis Winston can put up those numbers. And it might seem like a negative because Michael Thomas is there, but we have no idea what's going on with Michael Thomas from right now. We yeah. have not heard from him in forever. Like, we haven't seen him be fantasy relevant for a long time. If he doesn't work out and if he's not really healthy or if he's not really wanting to play or if he's just not it anymore – Chris Olave ends up being the number one receiver for the Saints, and he is a separator. He's someone that gets open. He's someone that gets yards at the catch, like you were saying. Like, I think he could step in right away and be a number one wide receiver. But, yeah, the Saints don't have their 2023 first, so getting a quarterback might take a little bit. Moving along on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Lick Me. We each have one superlative left. After I give my patience picks, I got two left. I thought, would you look at that? Uh, this one was something that came along in my dynasty series I was doing. And one of my favorite prospects is Sky Moore. And um, initially, yeah, Chiefs, Packers, great fits. I love those. But a sneaky pick that might take a year or two to really come to full fruition is if Sky Moore was a Pittsburgh Steeler. Look, we know the Steelers just lost Juju Smith Schuster. He was, for the most part, their pass catcher on the inside, at least when healthy. Uh, and obviously, Pittsburgh going from Big Ben to Mitchell Trubisky is an upgrade, not a huge one, but anyone can be better than what Big Ben was last season, right? So interestingly enough, you kind of think about the way the Steelers' offense has trended towards the last couple of seasons with Big Ben deteriorating. They still were among the NFL's most pass-happy teams, especially last season. They had the third-highest pass rate, the fourth most pass attempts. So we know this offense can sustain more than one top receiver in fantasy. You got Deontay Johnson, who's only 25 and Chase Claypool, who's only 23. They can all thrive. If more was drafted by Pittsburgh and we all know how much the Steelers love those second round and third round receivers. It seems like it's a match made in heaven. Now, how more will fit in here is it'll kind of take up what Juju was doing. I know they might want a bigger slot guy. Sky isn't the biggest receiver. I think he's only five, nine, but you put him in the slot and that's where you can have more space to work with. And I think that's where he can really win. Now it is good because he was used in a variety of different ways at Western Michigan. He can win at all levels of the field, but 
I think we can all kind of see how more would be more. No, I swear to God, I did not cue that pun up on purpose. That just kind of came to me. Uh, I think we can all kind of see where more can thrive in this Pittsburgh offense inside, but long-term he could have that opportunity to develop into the Steelers wide receiver one, especially with this whole trend of young receivers uh, demanding that they're traded. They're demanding bigger contracts of so sky Moore were a Pittsburgh Steeler. I think he could actually make a decent enough impact in year one with room for a bigger impact down the line, especially with how the Steelers have been so good at developing their younger receivers. So that was our patience pick. Now we get into the picks where we're taking some risk here with, with, with putting these on the air. These are the picks that on the surface, they may not look so good, but they could actually be pretty good. Our hear me out picks. Hutch, you, you were smiling there. I, I saw your one here, and this yeah. one had me saying, whoa, wait a second. Are we sure about that? But I think I think you might be able to sway me here. So what is your hear me out pick? The pick that might have some saying, are you sure about that? And you come right back and say, you were damn right. I'm sure about this. Here's why. Yeah, so my pick here, I mean, we the, there's a lot of wide receivers in this class that are really, really great. A lot of wide receivers and there are some teams that really need wide receivers and I feel like the Buffalo Bills are being slept on as one of those teams because outside of Stefan Diggs I know they have Gabe Davis I know they have like I mean I was talking about earlier with Brees Hall like they need help at their second wide receiver why not bring in Jamison Williams to Buffalo Jamison Williams to the Buffalo Bills you might complain oh he can't be the number one because Stefan Diggs why wouldn't you want him in Kansas City where he can be the number one wide receiver or Green Bay those would be great those would be great but in Buffalo, I think he could be a really, really interesting fantasy football option. I mean, the they do not need him yet because they have, you know, they have Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis to filter through. Like, they don't necessarily need to rush him. So when he comes on the field, he's going to be 100% healthy. They can wait on him, even though they're a competing team. They have an amazing quarterback in Josh Allen who's proved that he can make multiple fantasy options great. Like, if I mean, if you kind of – like if you put Cole, like Cole Beasley had some very fantasy relevant games. Gabe Davis had some fantasy relevant games. Dawson Knox was a solid fantasy option because he scored a ton of touchdowns. But James Williams could come in when he's fully healthy, step in and just take over that number two wide receiver role. And what we know about James Williams is that he's a speedster and he's not just kind of fast. He's really fast. Like he clocked in in college on the field at over 23 miles an hour. Like that's like, crazy fast like that's crazy speed he's and he's not just a like set him down the field on a streak like he's not just a one route kind of guy he's not like a henry ruggs he has amazing footwork he is amazing route running ability he does every little thing right on his routes he's just such a very polished route runner and along with that speed in buffalo josh allen's going to be able to take advantage of that speed with his cannon of an arm get him downfield get him some screen passes let him work and everyone's going to be distracted by Stephon Diggs while Jamison Williams is just lighting up the second corner on the NFL, on the team. So I would like Jamison Williams in Buffalo. And also one shout-out pick here as well that's kind of a similar situation. Jamison Williams in the Chargers would also be kind of interesting. Very similar kind of argument there. But I like Buffalo better because Mike Williams has already established himself as the number two receiver in L.A. while there's no 100% established number two receiver in Buffalo. 
I think I can speak for every member of the NFL when I say this, but let's not put Jamison Williams on Buffalo for the <laughs> sake of how dangerous that would be. You made it, you, you made a complete yeah. case. That's I mean, scary. The NFL's over. Like this, this offense would be just too insane. Imagine that if they added Brees Hall in the second round Jesus. with James Williams in the first round. Oh like, I mean, goodness. come on. Like, they, they, the NFL is screwed. It's over. Mm-hmm. Like, they, the Bills win everything. Yeah. Don't know how realistic, thankfully, that would be Williams going to Buffalo. But Cole and I are, are on air saying Williams is like – at least he's, he's my wide receiver one. one. He's insane. Yep, exactly. Wow. He's his wide receiver one, too. Love he, the guy. He'd be my number two behind Burks if he didn't get injured for fantasy purposes. Right now, because True. the injury, he's at four. We're going to have to wait for him a little bit. So – in a Superflex rookie draft, I'd draft him number four overall. But NFL talent-wise, I think he's right up there at number two with Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You put him on any team. It's like, oh, man, imagine Jameson Williams as your Tyreek Hill replacement. I think Kansas City yeah. would be more than fine with that. I didn't even mean to talk about Kansas City, but Cole's about to talk about Kansas City with his hear-me-out pick, the pick that, look, just – Hear him out. Hear him out. Maybe he'll change your mind on why it's yeah, actually I wanna, a good I want to hear this one. Yeah, I finally just decided, like, hey, I've, I've talked about all the other positions in this episode. I guess I should talk about a running back. And so it's Isaiah Spiller of the Chiefs. And the reason why, you know, obviously when you think of the Chiefs, you think of, like, high-octane offense, Patrick Mahomes, you know, touchdowns, passing the football. But the running back position there has kind of, like, taken a backseat to all that the last few years. And so – you know, on the surface, the Chiefs look like a great destination because of, you know, all the all the accolades. But the running back room is just, you know, it's, it's kind of nasty. And also when you factor in like the players that the Chiefs have in the running back room are pretty dang similar to the talents of Isaiah Spiller. I mean, you have CEH, Ronald Jones, like those guys are, are pretty much similar they offer, you know, similar skill sets to what Isaiah Spiller will bring to the table. So, you know, that's why I think in, in terms of making an impact in year one, I don't really see Isaiah Spiller, you know, going in, adjusting to NFL game speed and immediately ripping carries, you know, from those two running backs who, you know, have been in the league and, and are just more apt to carry a workload at that point in time. With that being said, those two running backs, have a very short leash and they've had short leashes for pretty much the entire duration of their career. Like Ronald Jones, I mean, he could, he could barely earn the favor of the coaching staff in Tampa Bay and CEH, you know, before this season could barely get in the end zone and function as more than just a third down um, extra receiver for, for Mahomes. So that's why I think Isaiah Spiller, you know, he kind of is like the best of both worlds in terms of those backs. Um, he it was a catalyst for Texas A&M in their offense. And they had really poor quarterback display. And it kind of seemed like whenever a play needed to be made, Isaiah Spiller was there, you know, on third down out of the backfield, catching passes, um, and so that's why I think Isaiah Spiller, he's a great fit here for the Chiefs. But in order to crack the rotation, it might just take a little bit of time. Okay. I, I heard you. I listened. I still don't know if I would be over the moon about Spiller to the Chiefs, at least not year one. But you are right. This could happen later down the line. And I think uh, Spiller, for what it's worth, has a very high ceiling. The last superlative, the last superlative we will talk about is mine and it is another eagle superlative hutch i didn't even like consider (laughs) 
that you were a Philly fan. Uh, you know, you got your Eagles banner next to that sick Derrick Henry jersey, might I add. I know this is an yeah, audio medium, but got to set the scene, as you w- if you will. There's another one I discovered doing my Dynasty series. I think if the Eagles were to draft Kenneth Walker, that actually may be a sneaky good fit because, look, like I said earlier, no team ran the ball more last season than the Eagles. Of course, a big part of that decision was Jalen Hurts' ability as a runner and, well, I guess his developing ability as a passer. Meanwhile, you got former fantasy darling Miles Sanders with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, each who averaged more than 10 touches a game. Sanders and Scott are slated to be free agents next season, so the door is open for a running back like Walker to stake his claim as the team's RB1 both now and in the future. And boy, what a claim Walker can make. We didn't get a full chance to see Nick Sirianni operate his offense with a bell cow running back, and maybe we never will. Maybe it's always going to be a type of committee that really makes fantasy managers shy away from targeting Eagles running backs. But I'm really speculating here. Don't you think he's, he's, he's tired of doing that? Maybe Sirianni wants one, a one true running back to play, at least um, on early downs. And like you said, Hutch, I'm glad you brought this up. We haven't seen Walker really showcase his receiving abilities much, but I'm also confident he could at least be average in them. Like he could be on the field for third downs. Um, I forget who did the, I think it was Damian Parson who did his scouting report on my colleague at TDN. I think he compared him to Joe Mixon and look what we just saw Joe Mixon do. Right. And I get if Walker were an Eagle, some people are still holding out hope for miles Sanders, myself included. I'm guilty of that. Uh, But can we all agree? Walker's just a better runner. He's probably the most pure natural runner in this class. He could be a shiny new asset to pair with Hertz, which could lead to valuable opportunities, not just for Hertz, but for Walker as well. Worst case, he's a short yardage back first, second downs, those type of things, which can still have some value in fantasy. Um, And again, Walker may not get the passing game work, but Philly running the ball enough could offset any lack of opportunities Walker has in the passing game. So I don't know if this is the best fit, but this is one that has me saying, you know, like, I think it's actually not a bad fit. I can't see the Eagles just ever abandoning their running backs, you know, like, like maybe Buffalo could, but then again, the Eagles don't have the type of offense the Bills do. But my point is here, I kind of like Walker, at least long-term, getting a chance to be the main running back in Philadelphia. So as an Eagles fan, Hutch, did I sell you? Did I do it? It is interesting, though, because right right before you said uh, Sanders and Boston Scott is a free agent, I was looking up, is Boston Scott a free agent? Because Sanders is a free agent, and I think he will be gone. Mm Boston Scott's also a free agent, and if Kenneth Walker really proves himself, he'll probably be gone. But the only problem is it's kind of like the situation with Michael Carter and the Jets. I still believe in Kenneth Gainwell. I still believe that he can be a pretty good pass catcher in this offense. So the problem is if Kenneth Gainwell doesn't develop enough as a pass catcher, the Eagles might decide to use him in that role. And that would just absolutely cap uh, Walker's upside for fantasy football. But there is still potential there that Nick Sirianni just like, you know what, wants to throw out the committee and just say, Hey, you know what, Kenneth Walker, after one season of working with Sanders and Scott and Gainwell, Please take over our offense. We want you to do so. So it's it's potentially there. 
but you got to keep an eye on Kenneth Gainwell there. Well, guys, just like that, uh, we are out of time. We ran through four superlatives, all fun, ahead of the NFL draft next season. Hutch, my man, awesome as always. Let the people know where they could find all your amazing stuff that you do. Uh, so you all can go follow me on Twitter and on TikTok at TYFMNFL. Uh, you can find videos I make for football guys on their YouTube channel. You can find articles I write for DLF on dynastyleaguefootball.com and i'm host of the young fantasy mind football podcast it's my podcast that i host and right now we're i'm working on the uh i mean the 2022 prospect previews just talking about the prospects uh, things i like about them things i don't uh nfl comps and their favorite landing spots and next week on uh yeah next tuesday we'll be talking about tight ends and then i'll be revealing my first round nfl muck draft Oh, give us a sneak preview. Give us, give us, give us one or two picks that you already think you're leaning for. Something, something uh, to tease. Um, I see two quarterbacks going in the top six of the NFL draft. Whoa. Oh, I think I can, I think I can guess. I think I can guess. You don't have to yeah. tell me if I'm right or not, but I think you're going to put Malik Willis to the Lions and Kenny Pickett to the Panthers. That's why yeah, I think you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Great minds think alike, or at least young minds in this case. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hutch, my man, it was so great having you. Uh, I am Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. You can follow me everywhere at Zach Cohen FB. I would highly suggest if you're going to follow anyone from this podcast, you follow Hutch. And then you follow Cole at Ham Analysis <laughs> on all social media as well. Next week, we'll have some special stuff going on. So make sure you're following, leaving the reviews. Feel free to at us on social media, Twitter, TikTok. Tell us how terrible we are. Or if you like us, that's nice too. Feel free to drop a nice review as well. Uh, Cole, as always, why don't you send us out ahead of the NFL draft. Until next time. Yeah, it's a special time of the year. Free agency, NFL draft going on. And it's not slowing time, slowing down anytime soon, right? I mean, we saw with Debo News, like stuff can break at any moment. So make sure that you stay locked to this podcast um, for the future. And and yeah, we'll, we'll send it out. Stay locked, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.